It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The majority of the player acquisition part of the offseason is now over. Free agency and the draft have passed us. Let's review the Bengals' offensive roster, talk about where they got better or worse, and what else they could have done this offseason. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to this show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast. Become an everydayer. You wouldn't have missed if you were an everydayer. For example, our draft review with Joe Goodberry last week or a couple weeks ago when we talked to Brian Callahan before the draft, and he told you about what kinds of running backs and tight ends the Bengals would draft and really gave some great tips if you were interested in projecting what the Bengals would do in the draft. And you can also become a first listener. Make us your first listen of the day. And James, today we're going to dive into the offense as the Bengals have more or less completed player acquisition. There could still be a handful of minor signings. And we talked about this last Friday for those everydayers out there and some of the smaller moves they could make if they wanted to bolster depth at a couple of different spots with veterans as we get closer to training camp. But when you look at this roster, James, they were already really good on offense. So one of the big questions for me heading into the offseason was around how can you get better when you're already in the AFC Championship game and a player two away from going to the Super Bowl anyway? And Mm -hmm. it's harder to do than when you're a a two-win team. You know, it's easier to get better when you're that far away from being good. But when you're already really good, it's kind of hard. And when you look at this offensive roster and you look at the starters, you try to identify the the starting positions where they could improve. There were only a couple where it really felt like, yeah, you know, the Bengals could really go spend resources this offseason and get better at this position. Sure. It's it's the beauty of having such a a talented roster. And and when you start with a Joe Burrow, that's a heck of a place to start because – I would say 30 other franchises are lacking in that department where you have Burrow. Some franchises would disagree with that, but at least 25, right? We'll just split the difference. We'll go 25 franchises would say Burrow's better than what they have at quarterback. And um, so you start there. But how do you improve? I think it was very clear, and it has been, one offseason theme, offensive line. And early on in the process, the certainly when I was in Indianapolis for the Combine, it was offensive line. How can you get offensive linemen? Darnell Wright, it was before he tested like a freak and uh, it helped his uh, draft stock elevate, and he was obviously the 10th pick this year, but that was a name that was mentioned. Dewan Jones obviously mentioned as different guys. And you remember going into free agency, I was like, just get a, get a right tackle. I was like, go spend a right tackle. Just try to fix it. And they did something I don't think anyone really saw coming, and they did improve their offensive line. They just did it in a spot where there really wasn't any 
clear upgrade except for one guy. And they got that guy. So let's start with the offensive line because I think Orlando Brown Jr., certainly the best left tackle they've had since Andrew Whitworth left in 2016. How much is that saying? Well, right now Jonah Williams' stock is about as low as possible when you look at Bengals' social media. That said, I look at this offensive line from left to right, and I don't know about you, but I feel really good about it, even though they didn't address offensive line in the draft, even though they didn't go out in free agency and add a bunch of depth. I I think outside of maybe one interior lineman, I would love to have a center guard flex option, one more guy there. I think they're they're pretty good, and I like their depth at both tackle spots and and really throughout their offensive line room. Yeah, that was where we started on the offensive line, and appropriate that we start here on the offensive line. And you talked about the Orlando Brown acquisition. They got creative. They had an opportunity to bring in a guy where they felt like they had a starter, and we they, they kind of did something we haven't really seen them do a whole lot of. Mm-hmm. And, and there aren't a whole lot of positions, I guess, out there where you can upgrade, and then that guy can still start corner, linebacker. A couple of other examples of that wide receiver where you can go get a guy and your current starters can remain starting uh, for other teams, obviously, not really the Cincinnati Bengals where they have three guys. But when we talked about, you know, go spend on Mike McGlinchey, go spend on Jawan Taylor. Well, those guys did certainly earn their money, (laughs) more money, in fact, than (laughs) Orlando Brown. And they're both going to be playing right tackle. And and so the Bengals upgraded left tackle, at least on paper, right? We'll, we'll see how it all plays out. All this stuff is on paper, but they sign a guy who... Not on paper has, compared to last year, though. 100% an upgrade. I mean... Yeah, the, the way that both players played last year, Orlando Brown certainly was better in 2022 than Jonah Williams was. Yeah, no, no, no debate there from me, anyway. Um, but like whenever you add a new player to a team, whenever a player changes teams, you always have to see how they're going to fit, how they're going to play in their new environment. Like back when the Bengals acquired Cody Gl- Cordy Glenn, I thought clear upgrade didn't work out that way. I think that there's not really the risk of that happening with Orlando Brown, but it's it's always a possibility, right? But the, the other position on the offensive line where I thought they might make a move, and and clearly they're showing their comfort. And the guys they have is on the interior. And you talked about that, getting the guy that can flex inside. The Lyle Collins thing obviously makes this much more complicated, not knowing where his health was going to be throughout this process for the Bengals. But they essentially run it back on the interior. Same guys and Jackson Kirkland probably getting added. I don't think that the, as of time of recording, undrafted free agent class has been officially announced by the Bengals, but that was a reported interior offensive lining signing. But Cordell Volson, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa remain the starters. And out of those, obviously, Volson would be the one where they could have been open to finding an upgrade and may have been open in the draft even at the right spot to, to drafting an interior lineman. They don't. And in terms of depth, also the same guys there, Hakeem Adenogy, Trey Hill, Max Sharping, Nate Gilliam, Ben Brown. Maybe Cody Ford is in that mix. Jackson Carmen is in that mix. Although Carmen is apparently working more at tackle now, right? So they they kind of leave the interior alone for the most mm-hmm. part. And and banking on growth from Cordell Volson. We'll see how that goes. He certainly has the attitude and, and all the makeup that you would want for a guy that's going to continue to try and, and improve his craft, right? And isn't going to get complacent. I did think they had an opportunity there. And 
they didn't they didn't go that route. There there were some options throughout the draft or, or in free agency where they could have tried to find somebody a, a veteran with a little bit more experience who's played a little bit better than than Volson did. But Volson, in Zach Taylor's words, right, like does everything the way they want, does everything the the right way for this coaching staff, and has earned the second year. So you can understand from their perspective why they wouldn't go try to find an upgraded left guard instead of giving their fourth round rookie who just played the whole year when you thought he maybe wouldn't have to play his rookie year as much uh, a shot in the second season. They've stunk at drafting offensive linemen. The reason Volson started as a fourth round rookie is because the guy they got in the second round the year prior was awful for two years. And I know people like Jackson Carmen, and maybe he's going to, to turn into a, a flex tackle or maybe eventually a starter at tackle but he was bad for the first two seasons and underwhelming. And, and that's why I think they, they were partially at least why loyal to, to Cordell Volson, because he brought them some stability at that left guard job at that left guard spot where he, he came in and did everything right. Even though a guy like Jonah Williams was having the worst season of his career. And that's part of it too, where I think, man, can you imagine Orlando Brown jr. And Cordell Volson next to each other? I, I think the Bengals, like the idea of that combo on the left side. So not shocked. I thought maybe, like I said, interior depth, not shocked given the Bengals where they've been, how they they've kind of addressed the offensive line over the past couple of years where they said, Hey, we actually got it right with Cordell Volson. Let's, let's keep him there. Let's not throw money at that spot. That said, I, I would not be shocked if they did try to add maybe one more guy that could play center and maybe both guard spots. That would be ideal for me. Maybe they're just comfortable with Trey Hill. Overall, though, and I think this is with Jonah Williams or a healthy Lyle Collins. So I'll be very specific. If either of those guys are at right tackle, healthy Lyle Collins, which I think is really hard to envision week one, just to be very clear. This is on paper and I'll, I'll say that, but I don't even need to. It's the best offensive line they've had since 2015. Now, maybe injuries happen. Maybe, maybe things don't work right, but it's, it's clearly the best line they've had in the Joe Burrow era. And so this offense, given that that's been the weak spot, should be able to, to rise up and, and hit another level. And that's before we get into any of the other positions, which I guess we should do since we spent the past 10 minutes talking about the offensive line room. So let's uh, keep things rolling here and look at uh, some other positions, some skill guys. Yeah, that's right up my alley. We'll do that coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. And whether you're one of our everydayers that's just trying to get a bit healthier this off season, or maybe you're trying to, to bulk up, add muscle, and, and get a little bit leaner, lose a little bit of fat. Well, guess what? Built Bars are perfect for you, and they taste great. That's the, the thing with healthy snacks. Most of them, you might be sacrificing taste a little bit, not with Built Bars, because they're covered in 100% dark chocolate. They have countless flavors that you should go check out right now at Built.com. You can also get them in person at local Sam's Club and Walmart stores. Again, make sure you check out the number one protein bar on the planet, at bill.com. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Skill guys, your favorite? My favorite. Rubbing your hands over there? My favorite. You ready to go? Five wide, everyone go deep, let's go. That's kind of where they're at in terms of player acquisition spread out. Hey, all right, Jamar, just run deep. That's why James uh, is uh, not an offensive coordinator. You, you say that you make those jokes. Just wait, just wait till they, they get out there in September. I think there are people, I think there are people three times last year, I think. Yeah. I, I, well, sure. Five wide, but I, I, I think you're going to see plenty of empty, yeah. And much more four wide than we saw last year. I, I think we could see that. Is Irv Smith a wide receiver? They are going to use him like one. Yeah. They used Hayden like one. Yeah. I mean, I could see four wide with Irv Smith being one of those guys. You could see four wide a couple of times where maybe there's only a running back on the field and they actually go four true receivers. They, I think they did a little bit of that last year too, early in the season maybe. Or maybe I'm confusing my seasons or my players. Let's start with tight end, though, right? Let's wide receiver is really good in the starting three. We'll talk about depth there as well. But the one spot where we knew there was likely to be turnover, if Hayden Hurst had an opportunity to cash in on that prove-it deal elsewhere, was at tight end. And where there may have been a long-term option, Foster Moreau needs to get well, and, and we wish him all the best. And that was kind of the last guy that the Bengals talked to that where we kind of thought maybe there was a possibility of, of a multi-year deal. Mm-hmm. And instead we're on one year deals for Irv Smith and Drew Sample. And there's some college free agents and Devin Asiasi's on the last year of his deal. Everyone's on one year deals in the tight end room, everyone. So how does this transition to on the football field? Well, they get a guy in Irv Smith jr. Who is more, athletic in terms of speed at least than Hayden Hurst who hasn't been able to stay healthy in his career but like Hayden Hurst has been productive when he's been on the field when he's had opportunity and we've seen tight ends for two straight years in this offense have really good years Mm -hmm. and not necessarily be exceptional elsewhere before or after those years Irv Smith Jr. if he's healthy no reason he's not going to be another one of those guys I was listening to to Dan Horde's Bengals Booth podcast, and he had great Cosell on, and they were kind of reflecting on free agency. And Cosell said the past couple of years, he was so excited to watch Irv Smith Jr. and and what he could potentially bring. And it didn't happen because of injury, like you mentioned. But in this offense, I think it, it it's you can almost put anybody in at tight end, and they're going to get you four hundred yards. Like that's that's kind of it. You know, as long as they're they're competent athletes and competent tight ends, because there's just quick hits, dump offs, things like that. And you might have some big plays. Hurst didn't have the big plays that CJ Uzama had. 
uh, two years ago. He didn't have those type of plays. Think about the Jacksonville game. And, you know, he had two touchdowns versus five, had the touchdown against Buffalo. But I think Irv Smith Jr. does bring a different dynamic. And Cosell was talking about this, like his ability to hit all three levels of the defense. And, and I wonder if the Bengals feel that way about him as well. Now, we don't have a huge track record of this, but we just came out of the draft process and how much have we talked about age? Hayden Hurst was 25 when he was drafted. Irv Smith Jr. was 20. And I think that's a, a big part of it too. Obviously, his dad was an NFL tight end, was a star at Notre Dame, all of those things. So I, I think he understands it. He went to Alabama, understands it, played against Jamar Chase. There's some familiarity there in, in high school and obviously college, same hometown. I, I think that this is just the, the perfect fit. And so I, I don't really worry about tight end a ton. And I, I think that he... He's going to fit just fine. Now, here's the scary part, Jake. If he gets dinged up, that hurts. Because Drew Sample, I don't know if he can just go get you 400 in this offense. Do they re-sign a, a Mitch Wilcox? And, and does he come back? I, I think there's potential there. But the where they could have gone or what they could have done at tight end, especially in free agency as well as the draft, but, but free agency, the tight end market was not booming. It was the exact opposite of that. I think it's uh, it's one of those where if Irv Smith Jr. stays healthy, we don't question it. If he gets dinged up, we we might question it midseason. Yeah, you look at Dalton Schultz' contract with the Houston Texans of all teams. Oh, one yeah. year, six point two five million base value. Another two point seven five million available in, in, in incentives, which would get that up to nine million dollars. You look at Mike Gusecki's deal, four and a half base million dollars. Another four and a half million dollars available in incentives. Those guys were some of the guys near the top of the market, we thought, at tight end this year. Didn't turn out that way for them. Evan Engram got franchise tagged by Jacksonville. And you look at the rest of the tight end market, you wonder how they feel about that decision to give Engram $11 million for one year, given what's happened elsewhere in the tight end market. But Ooh. there were some guys out there where the Bengals could have taken a swing maybe did take a swing, you know, obviously didn't work out with Foster Moreau. Unfortunate, but a spot where, you know, like you said, we might look back and say, ah, oh, man, maybe they should have made a bit of a splashier move and spent a little bit more money on one of those couple of guys with the incentive structures that they got from other teams. And knowing that it's a very attractive place for tight ends to come play. You know, mm -hmm. we're talking Houston Texans for Dalton Schultz. I mean, he gets to go play with a rookie quarterback there, I guess. So so maybe that prospect was enticing for him. But you wonder what, what was possible there. And then you look at the draft, and obviously we talked a ton about the tight end position throughout the process. It never worked out. There were a lot of guys they really liked, but not where they were picking. You know, mm -hmm. they, they clearly had a much higher grade on DJ Turner than – Tucker Craft or whoever was available to them in the second round with Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave going and, and Michael Mayer going much earlier in the second round. So like those opportunities weren't really there unless they wanted to do it in the first round. But again, when the gap is that big on their board, you know, talking one B as they do it to, you know, bottom of one C maybe, or maybe even two A, well, that decision is going to make itself for them. They're not picking two different players from the same bucket. So It'll be interesting to watch this position. There have been a lot of times I've also said when they lost Hayden Hurst, they were fine. And so 
could very well be the case again where they will just be fine and use their running backs, use their wide receivers where the depth of this team is on offense with their elite quarterback and Mm -hmm. get enough out of their tight end. Won't be a big deal. It's not like they're using their tight ends deep anyway. You know, Hayden Hurst a little bit in the intermediate part of the field, but if that's part of your game, well, they, they didn't change that and they were fine without it last year. Would be nice to threaten the seam a little bit more, and I do think Irv Smith does that when he's healthy, and that'll be the question for him. Yeah, I, there's there's a scenario where it's like, oh man, Irv Smith unlocks another dynamic of this offense, and they're better at tight end. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other realm where it's like, okay, can't throw it to the tight end, and it, because he gets injured, and maybe Drew Sample doesn't have you know give you much in the passing game, and who knows who else is in that room at that stage. So it's there's a bit of a roll of the dice where it could end up one way or the other, but I think they're comfortable. I, I think that they'll add one more guy. If, if you had to bet on a position where they add one more as a, as a veteran free agent, whether it's a familiar face or, or someone new, I think tight end is certainly up there when you look at this offense, even ahead of interior offensive line for what it's worth. But I get it. I understand how it played out. I get why Mike Gesicki probably wasn't, considering Cincinnati, I think he wanted to reunite with Bill O'Brien to a certain mm-hmm. degree. The Dalton Schultz factor, I don't think they were going to pay $6 million, even for Schultz. I, I, I don't think they were in those those waters. And certainly Hayden Hurst, by the way, good for Hayden Hurst. In a late tight end market, this dude got a multi-year deal from Carolina. And uh, heck, Carolina clearly wants to, to get as many former Bengals as they can because they were in on a bunch of guys, got Von Bell as well. The Queen City and, connection and, there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, A a couple other positions we should talk about where depth, very important, and some depth moves were made really to to, along what we were looking for, I I guess is what I'm thinking about there. So let's finish the show with those skill positions outside of tight end. A couple more to talk about here coming up next. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I'm starting with wide receiver. We didn't plan on which one, but wide receiver. Why? Because, well, I love wide receivers. The path to the the four wideouts, by the way, to me would be if Irv Smith gets dinged up and Charlie Jones does what I expect him to do as a rookie, then you're like, okay, well, there'll be times where we don't even put a tight end out there and we'll have four receivers and go that route. I, I could see that. I, I don't think they're going to go into the season and say we're going to have four wideouts out there all the time. But uh, certainly, I, I think they could pivot if instead of trotting out Drew Sample, for example, and uh, in, in pass, passing situations, if you don't need him necessarily as a blocker, you'd rather throw at the Charlie Jones, right? And I think they do have a reliable fourth option. So we'll see. But that that was certainly something we talked about after the AFC Championship game, right? Speed, adding another option. I think they might have done that in Charlie with, with Charlie Jones in round four. Adding guys that can get open. Adding guys that can be reliable targets in the slot when you need them. When teams are dedicating 
four players, essentially, to T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase outside. Having another guy, whether it's at tight end or at wide receiver, who can get open is important. And at the beginning of the AFC Championship game, and this is, I don't know, maybe it's an overreaction to the AFC Championship game. It doesn't really feel like it. But when Tyler Boyd got hurt, he was a huge part of that game plan and was a major target early and a major part of the offense early. He goes down and then things get a little harder. Because the Chiefs pivoted with how they were guarding too. And they said, all right. We're going to take away your top two. Beat us with someone else. It, it lets you do that. It, it yeah. lets it, it simplifies things for the defensive coordinator a little bit. Not that a team with Joe Burrow, two elite receivers, a solid tight end, and a solid running back should be easy to defend anyway. But the the idea of adding depth, dynamic athletic depth at the wide receiver position serves a couple of jobs. One, when you need that fourth receiver, which the Bengals did when all three of their top three receivers got hurt at different times last year, you have something a little bit more dynamic than your college free agents. Not to take anything away from those guys. Stanley Morgan Jr., Trent Irwin, Trent Taylor all did a lot of very hard work to make the team and contributed. It's not like they're bad players, but you could tell that there was a difference in the passing offense when one of those top three guys got hurt, and there still will be, because those top three guys from our Chasey Higgins, Tyler Boyd, are all near or at the top of their position, right? They're they're all extremely good players at the wide receiver position or the slot wide receiver position, but adding those guys that can give you a little bit more off the bench when you need it was something that we've been talking about for a couple of years. The Bengals go out and do that this year in the draft. I mean, we were talking about it in free agency. How many times do we talk about adding speed and free agency a wide receiver? And yep. and they didn't do it, but they did double dip in the draft, which yep. is very par for the course for this team who loves to draft wide receivers. Yeah, it, it was. And I think there are a lot of scenarios in the draft where they didn't double dip, but a guy like Charlie Jones who hits a couple of things, we're not going to do a, a whole special teams episode, but they've wanted to get a, a long-term answer at returner. And with the way special teams went last year, not that Trent Taylor was bad at punt returner or that they were awful on kickoff returns, because I don't think they were in either situation. He can maybe fill at least one of those. And we'll see what happens, but you get him, who could Charlie Jones, and he can fill that, fill the wide receiver issue potentially right away. And then Andre Yosivash is the ultimate roll of the dice type of guy that I would try on kickoffs. I've tried to really hammer that home. Hopefully the message gets to Darren Simmons just to see, because he's such an elite athlete and, uh, and see where else he can contribute. Maybe not as a rookie, but down the line and and who knows, maybe we're overestimating him or underestimating him, but I know he's a freak athlete that produced it at Princeton. So adding two guys on the back end, one that's more of a developmental guy that maybe can contribute in 2024, right. On offense. I think it's unrealistic this year. And then a guy in Charlie Jones who's sort of the opposite and plug-and-play type, hit the ground running. I think that's how they view him. I feel much better about the wide receiver room now, both short-term, long-term, than I did pre-draft. And they did a good job of, of it because I think that's hard to do, 
especially in a draft class that was considered relatively weak at wide receiver. We didn't do a ton of time, a, a deep dive on many receivers in this class because we knew it really wasn't in play until day three. And they found two guys that they really liked on, on day three. And I don't blame them for taking either one because, like I said, I feel better about the wide receiver room for sure. Yeah, they found athletes. They, they forwent production this year in terms of the kinds of guys they drafted. They found athletes who had late production. And yeah, the they reason- didn't produce as young as, as normal, just to be right. clear, as guys that they've targeted at wide receiver in the past. Right. Typically, they, they target guys that produce, you know, freshman, early sophomore, mm-hmm. you know, AJ Green, Jamar Chase, guys that are dominant. But that's also in the first round for those two guys, or the first two rounds, T. Higgins as well. Uh, Tyler Boyd, very productive players uh, from a young age in college. But you you mentioned long-term. I think that's a big part of this as well. It's some insurance. It gives you some developmental guys, or a developmental guy in Yossi Bash, and it gives you a guy that could step in if Tyler Boyd isn't retained after this year, which kind of seems unlikely, right? We've talked about this. It seems pretty unlikely given the other financial obligations they'll have on the offensive side of the ball. Never say never, obviously, but a potential future player, future starter there if things go according to plan. And I'm not sure that at running back they necessarily have a future starter in Chase Brown, although he certainly had the workload and Mm -hmm. then showed the durability in college. They've generally shied away from drafting guys with as much wear on the tires as Chase Brown, but he certainly showed it at – at Illinois that he can handle that burden. And again, adding athleticism. What do we talk about at the running back position in the running game? They needed to add explosiveness and chase Brown does that and does that Mm -hmm. in the fifth round in a draft where when you get to that point, you kind of expected them to have to find a more one dimensional player. And they found a guy who was on the field for every kind of situation in college and was asked to do the pass blocking role in the receiving and the running. And so having that experience with a dynamic rookie with that production, with that playing time under his belt is a really nice step. And they lost some AJP Ryan. They're going to have to figure out their pass protection downs and, and who's going to be out there doing that. If that's just Travion Williams, it is what it is. They didn't necessarily add top end here, but they do add quality depth. And they add insurance. Mm-hmm. And that's something they probably needed to do. And a welcome addition with the explosive element in Chase Brown. Yeah, I I really like this pick. I, I think it's interesting because the production aspect of things, like he he produced a ton. And you're right. Like historically, it I think it's gonna be tough moving forward to just look at at age production, some of those metrics. I think they might change some because some of these guys, especially with NIL money. They're going to be in college longer. We obviously have the COVID stuff that delayed some of these careers, all of those things. I think they view Chase Brown as a guy that could certainly contribute right away. Now, how much? I I think that part is interesting. There's a lot of questions. Who else is in that running back room? Is Joe Mixon there? Because if so, Joe Mixon's going to get plenty of touches. I think it's unrealistic for Brown to be Samaj P. Ryan. I I don't think that i don't think you can throw him out there and say all right be this pass blocking back but can he catch passes out of the backfield absolutely is he a better runner 
than P. Ryan from a, a running back standpoint. He certainly was. I, I think he is coming out of college. I think that's fair. Now, P. Ryan today, well, he's a grown man, right? And, and we'll see if Chase Brown can get there by NFL standards. But in, in, it took some time for P. Ryan to develop into what he was. But can Brown contribute as a rookie? Absolutely. I, I think the Bengals, they did, they did a, a very a tremendous job landing a guy that should be a day one contributor on offense, is, is able to help out on special teams, do all of those things that an RB2 can do. And if, if something happens with Joe Mixon, and Mixon missed a few games last year, missed a lot of games in that 2020 season, so it's not like he's been completely healthy. If he needs to fill in, I think he'll be fine. And, and that's the part of this where, in this offense, running back is more important than tight end. But as long as you have a guy that, that can do the things Brown can do, I, I think that they would be okay. Now, the pass-blocking part of it, I think that's Travion Williams. I don't think it's Mixon. I don't think it's anyone else. I think it's Williams, and, and maybe they try to add a veteran in that department to help in that area. But I, I like Brown. I think Jones and Brown are both plug-and-play guys on offense that can contribute right away. Not just special teams. I want to be clear on offense. And that's hard to do in rounds four and five. And they did it. And we, we talked about opportunities for some of these other positions. The Bengals were very in on taking running back earlier if the opportunity was there. And it really wasn't. I mean, outside of your guy, Roshan Johnson, round three, Charbonnet mm-hmm. didn't, didn't make it to round two. Gibbs obviously went 12th. Bijan eighth. There was no one. Like there was no real obvious guy, even even guys like Tajay Spears, who we talked about as maybe a, a target in round three. They didn't make it there. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it was really tough for the Bengals to take a running back much earlier. Roshan didn't fall to round four. And so it's it, it kind of played out the way it did. But I, I think they got a guy that could contribute right away. So they deserve credit for that. And there was discussion about free agency running backs as well, right? Jamal Williams goes to the Saints. Now talk about adding a guy, a guy we haven't mentioned at all. And I know he's way on the wrong side of 30 for, for what they would typically do. But on a one-year deal, Mark Ingram, just going to just gonna float that name as a far-fetched Whoa. possibility. Guy that's been, he's been good as a pass walker. Look at Jake. He, he's, not been, he's not been great as a runner. And maybe, maybe his time Ooh. has just come, right? Like Ooh. maybe he just needs to retire at this point. <laughs> but a reliable veteran with a ton of pass blocking experience. I mean, you talk about Zeke, a guy that could do the Zeke role. Yeah. Not, not as a bell cow, but in terms of like a role player who pass blocks. And that's how we've talked about Zeke, who I think is probably still looking for bell cow opportunities. That's just is a, he? A, a because that's not cow. happening for Zeke anywhere. There's no team that's going to XFL. I don't know, man. I, I just, I'm just I, saying I just know bell that, cow? Like, from a, a competitiveness of a, of a former first round pick. I, I could totally see him looking for more of an opportunity. Maybe bell cows a lot, but a bigger opportunity. Sure, and, and maybe. But, I, man, Mark Ingram. I, that would be – you know what that's like? That's like Mercedes Lewis at tight end. Yeah. Where you could see it fitting, but he's just – and he's 33. He's not 38. But he's going to his age 34 season, former first mm-hmm. rounder. I would be – they just don't they don't mess with guys your age or my age for that matter. I they know. don't do it. It's it's just if you have a three to start your age, they are so out. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's just what it is now. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't be mad at it because Mark Ingram's going to sign a league minimum deal if he if he gets picked up. So it's not like that would cost, and it would give you some, uh, you know, a, a proven pass blocking back back there. I, I agree with you. He doesn't have much juice, but short yardage and here and there mixed with uh, mixed with some pass blocking duties, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing. He's looking for like a final hurrah kind of season. I don't know. I feel like that if he plays this year, it's probably his last year, right? If he has a little bit left, I, I don't know. Just to name we haven't talked about it all. Kind of forgot that he was still out there as a free agent. I was just looking at the list. And then, of course, we should just mention quickly Clyde, Edward, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Should he become available from the Kansas City Chiefs who re-signed Jerick McKinnon, who have their starting running back? There's a world where they decide to make that move. And... I think there's a really good chance the Bengals would be in on a guy Joe Burrow absolutely loved at LSU. Sure, I agree. If he's available, he would be the number one contender. The other one, I don't think – I don't know. I don't know if the Bengals would be in on him. But if you could get Kareem Hunt for 1.5, I mean, no one's in on him. I, but, yeah, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is, is more of a – it would make so much sense if he was a free agent. Could a trade happen? I would be shocked if a trade mm-hmm. happened. So will the Chiefs release him? And the Chiefs probably know, hey, if we release this guy, there's at least a chance he goes to Cincinnati. Hey, maybe they do. Who knows? Didn't talk about the quarterback position very much. They changed it up at at backup quarterback. They didn't draft a guy. They wanted to draft a guy. I think they got a little bit better at the backup spot. They certainly have more experience there. Trevor Simeon started for like a whole year. But I don't think there's a whole lot to say there. Joe Burrow's a guy the most important player on this team that has not changed no hasn't changed and it it wasn't going to change i wish they would have been able to land the guy they wanted in the draft i'm not sure who they wanted Mm -hmm. but that would have been cool there was a run on him it didn't fit fine get uh get trevor simeon and let's roll baby makes sense gonna have to talk about the defensive side of the ball as well james obviously not time to do that today so for the everydayers that'll be coming up this week as well in addition to well, hopefully a guest. We're working on a guest here to talk about the Bengals draft a little bit as well. And once we have that shirt up, we'll, we'll let you know when to check that out. And plenty more coming up as we get to the rookie camp coming next weekend. Got some player availability tomorrow, right, James? Monday? Yep. Yeah, we got an open locker room. So who knows? We might get some news. I think we'll have some college free agent news too. In, in the next day or two. Would not be shocked if that happens on Monday when you're listening to this. So we'll react to that when they're official. Yep, that, that's a good shout as well. College free agent list not yet officially announced, but should be soon. So until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? 
Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.